0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Coming up in a couple of minutes, we all like Kirby Smart but we are not like Kirby Smart, if you get my drift there on that. And there's a specific reason why that's relevant for this Saturday. We'll talk more about that. I think fans have a very different perspective on Saturday's game against the Gamecocks than perhaps this Georgia coaching staff does. That's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but I do think it's worth at least spending a minute or two talking about what makes us all different going into this particular weekend. We will get there. Prior to that, this is a little bit of an important weekend for Georgia, not because we expect this game against South Carolina to be closed. Hopefully it will not be. But it is a chance for Georgia to kind of prove what it's all about. And the vibe around Georgia right now, completely different than it was a year ago. We expected this to be the case. And there's a simple reason for this. You know, Georgia kind of sleptwalked last year through games with, like, say, Sanford and Kent State. And for the most part, I, I think right thinking Georgia fans sort of shrugged all of that off. There's probably been a little bit less shrugging this year, with the UT Martin and the Ball State at times lackadaisical play not always it was you know probably fine but but not quite oh my gosh this is a team capable of winning a national championship game 65 to 7 that kind of that kind of vibe hasn't existed around Georgia for the first two games of the year we're not caught off guard by that we sort of expected that The big difference that exists between Georgia this year and Georgia a year ago was, is that when Georgia kind of dialed it down for its performance against lesser competition, it had already played at a very high-end, top-end level to begin the season against Oregon, to begin the season against South Carolina. And so when Georgia was less than its best in later games that year, Georgia fans didn't have to get too bothered, worried about that, because they'd already seen what Georgia in its highest gear had looked like, and there was a certain comfort that came from that. Well, the order of the games this year and the absence of a non-conference game like Oregon means you probably reach a little harder than you probably should. You probably search a little longer than you should to find some sort of meaning in the games against UT Martin and the games against Ball State because for now, that's all you have. But after Saturday, we get an additional data point. And this is the thing that always blows me away about college football. And this is a quick aside. Do you realize that after Saturday, the regular season's 25% of the way over? is that does that just blow your mind that we wait months and months and months for this thing to get here and at least in terms of the regular season it's a quarter of the way done after saturday it's bizarre to me but nonetheless we've been waiting for a moment like this a true data point that gives us some sort of indication of where georgia is and what georgia is and by the way it's not just media types like me fans like you fans like all of us it's not just us who are trying to figure this out right now it sounds like georgia itself is in the process of figuring all of this out too offense has probably not been great as of yet defense probably hasn't quite yet flexed the way that we typically expect a georgia defense to and kirby smart this week was kind of asked about hey the motivation that georgia has and the identity it seeks to establish and kirby smart talked about that process of kind of figuring out what georgia is this first sec game a pretty good step towards doing that this is what kirby said this week I think every day is an identity deal. I mean, I look at every day independent of the previous. This
1: is not something that this is what you are and this is where you stay. I mean, you're constantly moving. So we're constantly trying to improve. I said the other day we want to be elite at getting better. So our goal today on Monday of South Carolina week is to be elite at getting better.
0: Um, And the teams that get better and improve uh, tend to ascend as the year goes on. And that's ultimately our goal as far as intrinsic. Uh, Motivation, I think that any good team needs to have that because you can't do it on outward uh, things, things that are tangible all the time. Intrinsically, you have to have the motivation to want to be as good as you could possibly be
1: to reach your full potential because you're not going to have an exterior motivation all the time. It's got to come from within you. And we got some guys on the team that got that. we got some that don't, but every team does.
0: So Kirby's seeking to find George's identity and seeking to kind of demonstrate the level of motivation, and I believe that South Carolina is the perfect opponent for the next step in that journey for George. and there's kind of a specific reason why I think that's true. As we've talked about a few times already this week, For whatever reason, and some of you think you have your reasons, but for whatever reason, Georgia the last two years in its national championship seasons has throttled South Carolina. Georgia has looked as much like a national champion as it has in any of its last 30 games. In its last two times, it's played the Gamecocks. Last year in Columbia, the year before that in Athens, Georgia has absolutely... Just obliterated the gamecocks off the planet. So, for a team that wants to demonstrate how motivated it is, wants to seek out and determine its identity, South Carolina on Saturday is the perfect team for Georgia to do that against. And I'm going to use the words of Shane Beamer here as a way of reminding Georgia what its identity is supposed to be. What is the calling card of Georgia for its last two national championship teams? What is the thing that has wowed people about Georgia so much? Well, Shane Beamer, in so many words, two years ago, when he got his first taste of this rivalry on the other side of Georgia in kind of a funny fashion, he let his entire fan base know, the entire media contingent that covers his team know exactly what he sees when he looks looks at Georgia and Beamer's words as somewhat humorous as they are I think gonna be a wake-up call for Georgia about what it needs to show against these Gamecocks here this year the identity that Georgia seeks Shane Beamer told us two years what it is this is what Beamer said after that game they've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense they are they have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call Uh, they've got five-star defensive
1: backs. They're big and physical and fast. I mean, other than that, they're really freaking good. That's why they have the top defense in the country. They're hard to run the football on. So there wasn't some magical scheme they came out with tonight. They got five-star recruits everywhere, and they play really physical. Damn.
0: Damn, he says at the end. That's Georgia's identity. And that's what Georgia needs to remind people that it has – on Saturday. Now, they are going to be some are like, but they don't have Jalen Carter anymore. Well, guess what? In 2021, or I should say in the 2022 season, they didn't have Trayvon Walker anymore, or Jordan Davis anymore, or, or Devontae White anymore. You know, the idea that we're going to re-rack the, how does Georgia replace so-and-so, we've been doing that conversation for two years it hasn't mattered yet and if george is going to go for 3 and 23 which i believe it will it needs to render that conversation uh irrelevant talking point again this year there as well it needs to introduce some new defensive playmaking stars on saturday and have a coach like shane beamer once again forced to acknowledge that they seem to have five stars everywhere whether they're actual measurable five stars or not can they play like five stars between the hedges within it with an entire you know uh, fan base frothing the mouth for the first big showcase for georgia to demonstrate to as beamer said how really freaking good georgia still is the entire country watching tomorrow because really the fans outside of dog nation the media types around the country they just haven't seen much of georgia as of yet georgia's played at about three-quarter speed against teams that weren't half as good as you GA that's not recipe for a very fun thing to watch but Saturday it's South Carolina Gamecocks of course have already lost a game but this is a real living breathing opponent this is an SEC game it's a chance for Georgia to show what it is and what it's all about and Shane Beamer's words there I believe are the uh the 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 statement that kind of points in the right direction on this that Georgia needs enough on offense and they need to be to use Beamer's phrase again really freaking good on defense that's what Georgia needs to be. That's what Georgia has been. That's what Georgia showed itself to be against South Carolina the last couple of years, and that's what needs to lead the way on Saturday there as well. This name-brand, recognized, well-known defense needs to lead the way, let the offense find its footing, and that can be the recipe for Georgia to go out there and not just win on Saturday, but flex in the way that Georgia fans hope that they can. Now, the good news here is, is it seems like the Georgia defense is more than ready to do just that. They are sensing their moment is here to show the entire college football world that the 2023 defense is ready to do what oftentimes happened in 2022 and always happened in 2021 which is this is a group that's ready to flex against by the way a quarterback in Spencer Rattler who's good enough to do some damage to you if you let him let's keep that in mind too that while South Carolina may not be great Rattler right now is among the very best quarterbacks in the SEC so you need a good performance from Georgia defensively but this uh, group seems ready to provide that in fact let's go back to Jamon Dumas Johnson earlier this week who typically does not mince words he's a great spokesman and leader for this unit once again making it very clear that he views Saturday as a game to show what I'm calling for here a day for Georgia to demonstrate its identity that it is still the best defense in the entire country this is what Jamon Dumas Johnson said this week you know whenever you play SC opponent you know it's different the mindset different. The practice different the grind different especially for the older guys the ones who've seen it already going into a sc opponent matchup just different um especially the first one it's kind of like a statement game right now it's saying everybody message what we agree about you want to watch georgia play a statement game on saturday i do i'd love to see that i'd love to see what georgia looks like with a statement game type mentality and that's what jamon dumas johnson says that Georgia has and the good news is is this is just not an idea that lives and dies with Jamon Dumas Johnson it permeates beyond him on this Georgia defense there as well because another one of this team and this particular unit the Georgia defense another one another one of its great leaders is speaking in very much the same kind of way Kamari Laster himself talking about what Georgia has a chance to prove on Saturday specifically on the defensive side of the ball here's Kamari Lasseter
1: I would say, you know, definitely, you know, we have to flip the switch whenever we, you know, start playing at SEC just because, you know, the league play is different, you know, um, SEC is different, you know, we pride ourselves on being one of the best conferences in the country, so I mean, we're, we're going against the best teams in the country, so whenever that happens, you have to turn your really level of play up a notch just to be able to compete at a high level.
0: Let's talk about specifically what that means for a moment, what Laster's discussing there, flipping the switch and turning up your level of play. If you care about point spreads and things like that, and if you only think about point spreads as a projection for the final outcome, you'll be, I think, you know, kind of well within the parameters of this conversation. Georgia hasn't met expectations in either of its first two games here this year. But against SEC opponents, Georgia's covered the spread in seven of its last 10, in 13 of its last 20. There seems to be a little bit of a different version of Georgia when it faces SEC competition. Plus, when you look at Georgia in the kind of like massive point spread games like we've seen the first two weeks of the year, Georgia's just 2-7-1 and one against the spread in its last 10 games at home, when favored by more than 30 points. But on Saturday, they're not favored by more than 30 points. They're favored just inside of four touchdowns. And in that situation, favored less than 30 points at home, Georgia's covered in four of its last five and six of its last eight. Now, not every trend means something, but this is a trend that seems to match with what we see with our own eyes, that when Georgia feels like it's got a real opponent on the other side, it plays up to its standard when Georgia has a chance to go out and showcase it against SEC competition, we do get what JDJ and Kamari Laster say they want to provide. A version of Georgia that does have the switch flipped and does have statement being ready to be made. Shane Beamer told you two years ago what he sees when he looks at Georgia. Five stars everywhere, totally dominant on defense. That's what we all need to see again on Saturday. And if that version of the Georgia defense shows up, My guess is the offense will feed off that there as well and the recipe that's worked for Georgia so well the last couple of years. Nobody playing defense better and Georgia playing just enough offensively to match that, that can work out again for this team to go for three in 23. Next step on that journey gets a chance to be taken on Saturday. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Kroger. We are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, 45, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. After that, across all video platforms, radio on Athens, Sports Radio 9, 6, The Ref, podcast, on-demand audio, anytime you want it, anywhere you want it. All the platforms there for you too. You can find that there as well. Just really happy to have you as a part of our show today. And so thankful to our friends at Kroger who make it all possible. And it's time to talk about Kroger Chef Jr. again, by the way, because that's a fun thing coming up this month here there as well. And how about a really cool menu item here for this month? Uh, it's uh, the pepperoni pizza salad this is a fun thing to be made on september 23rd that's coming up at select kroger locations of course you know you've heard me talk about this before kroger chef jr a 30-minute class guided kid cooking experience where your child also in addition getting a chance to make this month the pepperoni pizza salad also, can uh, get an apron, a patch, a chef's hat, a cutting board, a recipe card and holder, and it's just $7 per child. So make sure you check out more online on this. KrogerChefJr.com, the word junior spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. Also, let me very quickly remind you, as I've been telling you the last couple of days, Dog Nation invasion of the Tennessee River completely sold out, but you do have a chance to join our waiting list on this. And I don't have any control over this. I have no authority here, but we are going to I know they're going to try to get as many people on the boat as possible because we want Tennessee fans as mad as they can be. And more dog fans, the better for us on that. So get on the wait list. We'll get you in if we can. Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Wait list now. We can't now listen. Not everybody on the wait list is getting on and maybe only a few people do, but I feel pretty confident at least a few people on the wait list. We'll be able to be a part of our Dog Nation invasion. Uh, incredible uh, scene there on the Tennessee River prior to George's dismantling of Tennessee in Neyland Stadium, which is what we think is going to happen later on in November. DogNation.com for more details on that. All right. One of the things that makes the game day environment in Athens so big on Saturday, the presence of so many top flight elite recruits. We're going to talk to Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation recruiting insider, about that visitor list here coming up in just a couple of moments. That's going to be really good. We'll get to that here in just a second. Prior to that, though, do want to go around the doghouse today, which is poured by the finished Long Drink. Now, I said this to kick off our show, and I'm going to kind of follow up on that now. We all like Kirby Smart but in some very important ways, we are not like Kirby Smart. I sort of look like him today. I'm wearing a shirt that I believe I've seen Kirby Smart himself wear. Many of you wear apparel that's very similar to the apparel that we always see Kirby Smart you know, wearing. He graduated from Georgia. Many of you graduated from Georgia. There are similarities here. But there is just something different about a guy who kind of spends his life within the coaching fraternity that's different than most of us who are media fans, something like that. There's always going to be kind of a cultural divide there that becomes very, very difficult to um, to, to bridge the gap on. And I think Saturday is an example of that. Now, this is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just true, I, and I believe that it is true, that Georgia fans view Saturday's game against South Carolina, at least a lot of them do, a, a certain pocket of them do. Georgia fans view Saturday's game against South Carolina a lot different than Kirby Smart does Georgia fans have long memories about like say 2019 when South Carolina came in here got the upset victory there that day it was a horrible day in Sanford Stadium Georgia hasn't lost a home game since then it's really crazy to think about the stuff that we used to sometimes have to talk about that we never talk about ever at all like a game like South Carolina 2019 or some of the other stuff that kind of pops up from time to time just a lot of this stuff just seems like ancient history because of all the success that Georgia's enjoyed the last you know couple of years but the last time Georgia lost at home it was to South Carolina it was heinous behavior there at the end in fact I'm going to show you a little bit of this on video and I apologize for not you know having any kind of like you know audio to necessarily match with this but South Carolina fans behave like you know what was the thing the Phillies said act like you've been there before South Carolina fans clearly have not been there before they've program has won almost nothing of note ever and so when they beat georgia back in 2019 they're down there celebrating the players much the same way uh also no no, no concept of acting like you've been there before because they literally hadn't and so they're tearing up the, they're tearing up the hedges they, they're doing all of that it was a horrible scene and georgia fans were rightly enraged by the fact that. Uh, you know, South Carolina fans, you know, wanted to just basically destroy property inside Sanford Stadium when that game was over. You'll remember that Ray Tanner, the then South Carolina athletic director, apologized to UGA for the behavior of his players and his fans. And, you know, Kirby Smart was asked about that this week. And listen, as I said before, this is not a criticism of Kirby. This is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a different thing is that Kirby Smart, I think, sees as a coach games like that a little bit different because he looks across the field and he sees his friend and colleague, Will Muschamp, as the South Carolina coach. Brian McClendon was also on that staff. And so from Kirby's standpoint, I don't think emotionally something like that meant to him what it means to us because when Kirby was asked about the whole thing going back to South Carolina from you know 2019 – I think Kirby is able to laugh this off in a way that Georgia fans probably even all these years later still kind of don't want to laugh that off. This is what Kirby said about that this week. Kirby with Alabama's lost Saturday night. Georgia now has the longest home win streak in the nation and I guess the last one was South Carolina. Did, did you reference, use that as a reference point at all for your team about that, that was a team that
1: kind of snuck up, I guess. They weren't real good that year. Did you bring that up, or did you talk about Paul and the streak at all? No, I wouldn't want to give B-Mac and
0: Will Brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, once again, I'm not criticizing Kirby here. I'm, I'm not doing that because I think that line is funny, and I kind of get the idea that he makes $100 million. He lives in a different world than we live uh, in. But, but Georgia fans, many of them anyway, are not quite ready to laugh about what happened there in 2019 they were enraged about it in fact let me go back to our show right after that game happened our buddy john Stinchcomb who's you know a very measured guy you know you know you know very uh i, I think you know well versed in kind of just sort of how to how to speak about things he kind of reflects i think the 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 mood of the fan base pretty well i mean this is what he said back in 2019 on dog nation daily about the destructive behavior of south carolina that day this was john St- now this is not great audio quality because it's old but it, it, nonetheless it's john Stinchcomb from 2019 on our show pretty upset with south carolina at the time
1: you should be able to celebrate and that's a huge win for their program. It's a huge win for Coach mustamp But destruction of property is, is never the answer. And I think there is a right way to, to win games, just like there's a right way, I guess, to lose them, which you, you try to stay classy. But uh, I, I would expect the same from our staff. And, you know, if we have a big win in somebody else's house, you have to know that destroying the other team's stuff is, is not the way to do it
0: first of all, it's not like that's one of FDR's fireside chats. It's only four years ago. I don't quite know why it sounds quite so tinny like that. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, that was John Stinchcomb. And I would say that one of my favorite kind of out of context lines that's ever been used on our show may be John Stinchcomb saying, hey, destruction of property is never the answer. Because that's what was needed to be said after that game against uh, South Carolina. By the way, it wasn't just sort of old heads like me and John were saying that. At the time, a then Georgia commitment who's going to be a Georgia starter on Saturday Nazir Stackhouse is on Twitter and by the way Nazir Stackhouse low-key is very funny on Twitter and always has been uh but stackhouse was on twitter that day and he was giving south carolina a bunch of grief. So it's not just old heads like me and john who didn't like this nazir stackhouse was a recruit at the time (laughs) let me show you this on the screen i'll read this uh so he calls out will muschamp who was the south carolina head coach at the time saying wow muschamp really you're gonna do the dogs like that it says that's your own people that was nazir stackhouse he wasn't even at georgia he was just he was just a commit and back then he was also really funny Uh, on social media back then there as well calling out South Carolina for what it did calling out Will Muschamp in particular so this doesn't mean the same thing to Kirby Smart as it means to a lot of the rest of us we still have memories of that in fact most of us have sort of forgotten what losing even feels like with the exception of this game against South Carolina you know way back in 2019 so there is a degree to which to Georgia fans with long memories this sort of feels like something on Saturday where we're not quite ready to forgive I mean listen the coaches that worked over there and now they work over here and I'm very happy about Will Muschamp being on the staff I love Brian McClendon a lot I'm very happy to have all of these guys kind of is it repatriated I'm sort of glad to have all these guys sort of repatriated back to University of Georgia I don't have any grief any beef with Muschamp or McClendon or anything like that I really don't this is one of those things where sometimes college football makes strange bedfellows I was probably pretty mad at him that day but I don't really care much about it anymore but in terms of the whole idea of that hideous looking South Carolina flag that heinous behavior Georgia fans not quite ready to like ah oh, ha ha ha. all is fair you know uh you know good day that day for Muschamp and McClendon it's one of those things that sort of means a little bit more to the average Georgia fan than I think at uh you know uh means to Kirby Smart and if you don't believe me just let Nasir Stackhouse's words back when he was still a recruit <laughs> let his words kind of hang in the air on that for a moment so for georgia fans a little extra motivation on saturday whether kirby smart feels that or not and that is around the doghouse and it's poured today by our friends at the finish long drink now i tell you i think tomorrow is going to be such an amazing day in athens i know many of you there too are just ready for one of those great all-day tailgates i always judge the quality of the day based on how early the tailgate scene starts and let me tell you something last saturday (laughs) you could have pulled right up an hour before game time and gone right to your parking space. Tomorrow, that's not going to be the case. Tomorrow, tailgates are going to be going on all over the place in Athens, and so many of those tailgates right there in that cooler are going to have that fresh, ice-cold finished long drink as a big part of that tailgate experience. And it's not just the traditional or the cranberry or the long drink strong or the long drink zero. It's the peach-flavored version of the finished long drink because the peach-flavored version is the perfect thing for the peach state, but it's only available for a limited time. So, if you haven't had your chance to try this show, you got to go to thelongdrink.com. That's thelongdrink.com. And you can put in your zip code and you can find out where you can pick some up today because I'm telling you right now, you get that one of those great coolers fresh and ice cold when you pick it out you kind of dig down deep to get it out of the ice you pop that top it's a ready-to-drink cocktail for those of you that like mixed drinks this is a mixed drink that comes ready for you just pop the top and you're ready to enjoy it so please find it online thelongdrink.com that's thelongdrink.com and you can find and enjoy some finished long drink here today so before we're done on today's program last night a great former dog <laughs> Michael Carville our producer is trolling us by going back to the uh uh, the South Carolina video listen hey I've told y'all before I'm fine with a little bit of trolling if if this is what it takes to get and if you're not watching a video you don't know what we're seeing but we're seeing these you know South Carolina you know morons acting like idiots but um if this is what it takes to get y'all froth in the mouth for Saturday that's fine we'll throw some we'll throw some red meat on the grill here for a minute yeah that's what they did to y'all in your own ballpark how many years ago four years ago that's what they did to y'all in your own ballpark uh yeah you know, we're gonna let that stand you know what's saturday gonna be like with that as a reminder because while that seems like a long time ago that was just two trips ago right that was just two trips ago they were here in 21 and then the one before that was the one all of this you know nonsense happened in so yeah uh use it for motivation by the way thank you to abc and columbia for providing the footage uh but uh use it use it for motivation uh absolutely go out there and uh, make that happen there on saturday i'm okay with that uh it's probably a little trollish but uh if that's what it takes to make saturday what it needs to be i'll play the role of eric ange on that for a moment but the point is uh we're ready for a fun day and a big part of all of that is what's going to go down with uh recruiting massive visitors on tap and i mean that literally and figuratively so let's find out all about it right now really fun recruiting conversation ahead of a a big day for Georgia recruiting tomorrow. It's a Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It is a big one tomorrow. Sanford Stadium is going to be rocking. Recruits are there to see it. Uh, we got a list to kind of go through here for a moment, so let's bring in Jeff Sintel as we get ready to do all of that. Uh, Jeff, we've obviously had some fun with this already this week, and now I want to kind of sort of add some information to this here a little bit. And I, I guess let me start with what I think is the most interesting, and then we'll kind of work our way to what may be more relevant here in the moment. You know, we've been saying ever since the Bolden thing went down, KJ committing to uh, Florida State back in the summer, that there would be no waving of white flags in this recruitment from us here on this show. We thought that Georgia would remain a factor in this recruitment. I believe that's still the case. I am certainly not saying that Bolden's coming to UGA. But I will tell you this, seven-figure NIL deals apparently don't buy what they used to because that hasn't bought Florida State a level of exclusivity apparently uh with Bolden who is uh I think reported to be in Athens tomorrow so let's start with that uh, that gives you an idea of how big this game's going to be right
1: yeah Brandon good morning Eric Ainge red meat on the grill I, I love the way you're frothing on a uh, on a Friday morning maybe it's not call out Tuesday or whatever it's not separation Saturday it's frothing Friday um you know I think recruits are going to visit. Visits are going to – recruits are going to visit. I think K.J. Bolden and his exclusivity doesn't just extend to the Georgia Brown. I believe he's going to take an official visit to Auburn as well. Florida State's playing great, Brandon, and I'll be very honest. The NIL factor there, plus with the fact that the Noles look like a top, top five, top ten team, that leads me to believe it's going to be very hard to, to flip K.J. Bolden, that having been said. I do think they're going to go go down like Spartans in the movie 300. They're going to keep trying, even though the weeks and numbers and opportunities keep dwindling. I think this is going to be the 17th visit for T.J. Bolden to Georgia. So, I mean, he's seen enough by now. He just wants to see a little, bit of more, a little bit more on Saturday.
0: So let's follow up on this because I'm looking at YouTube. Light Dog 1968 says, Bolden is just taking advantage of free tickets. He's not coming here. Jeff, I want to be as candid as I can be to set you up to be the same type of thing. There are plenty of recruits that just come to games because they get free tickets. That happens all the time. I believe we've probably seen at least one or two recruits in Athens here thus far that didn't look like they were having the world's best time being there. They were clearly just here to see a football game, and it was any more than that. I don't think that's what this is with Bolden. Now, I also don't necessarily think that necessarily means he's flipping to Georgia, hear what I'm saying, and don't hear what I'm not saying. But a recruit who's been to Georgia 16 times previous, if he comes to a game like this on Saturday, that's clearly more than just free tickets to a football game. So while I can't guarantee what's going to happen with Bolden, I can flatly say to anybody, including Light Dog, who is a good commenter, I can flatly say this is more than just free tickets to watch a football game. Do you agree?
1: I think it's more in this era, Brandon, you know, not to sound really snarky or anything, but X this might be just a visit that Cements, Georgia, is the ideal transfer portal destination if things don't go down the way in Tallahassee the way he hopes them to. I know that sounds like I'm a little jaded or a little, you know, trying to be a little whimsical or funny today, but sometimes that matters a lot. It matters a lot in this day and age. If anything falters with Florida State, I'm going to go back a long way with KJ. He told me when he was a freshman. Ideal dream school was Florida State. That's where he wanted to go. He went to almost every camp they had back there as a kid growing up. So sixteen visits is a lot, but he's probably taking twenty twenty fives at Florida State at the same time. I think it's important because it just this is what it is. It gives you another chance to promote the Georgia brand to a very good football player. I mean, if if you're in sales, you're going to try and win the Apple contract. Every year, if that's possible, you're going to try and go after the heaviest hitters, because that's the scope of your program. So that's kind of what I see with T.J. Bolden. There.
0: I'm going to talk about Mikai Boyle for a minute because we had some fun with this yesterday, and I like this for two reasons. Any guy, any, any guy who realizes the Gainesville, Florida, is not the place he wants to live, that guy already goes up nine notches in my book as it is. But in the case of Boyle in particular here, Jeff, I. I just really like him as a player. I'll take anybody off the Creekside roster. I just think that's an incredibly tough football team. Maurice Dixon is one of my favorite coaches. So I'll I'll take a guy off that Creekside roster any day of the week. Um also this kind of dude here this the and I'll never make anybody the next Jordan Davis cuz that's just so unfair. But this kind of dude who kind of does the Jordan Davis thing of a one-man run-stopping machine, Jeff, that is so valuable in this day and age of college uh, football and really any day and age. Taking away the run is just a great strategic advantage for any kind of defense. And I believe that's what Boiro, uh, you know, certainly has a chance to do at the college level. I know Michigan's a factor here. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there are other SEC teams. They're going to be a factor there as well. But how much does the decommitment from Borough to Florida ahead of this Georgia visit, how much does this resonate within you know kind of the UGA program here ahead of another guy that's going to be there on Saturday?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So, Brandon, first of all, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to take Borough here, but I would simply say, first of all, everybody tapped their brakes a little bit on Borough simply because he told me face-to-face this week that he's not going to make his decision, his next decision, until early signing day michigan's a factor I believe auburn's a factor georgia's a big factor he candidly admitted that he committed too early he only took two officials he wishes he would have kept the michigan official <clears throat> i think he'll look really strongly at auburn but around the program and i'm glad you mentioned uh, our good friend maurice dixon because that guy needs a podcast he's pretty funny fun to be around i love the way he relates to his players on the team and Members of the Creekside staff kind of told me this week that they always kind of thought McKay mount Mountain Mackay is what he's called, and <clears throat> they always thought he was sounding like or seemed like a Georgia guy. When he committed to the Gators, uh, he, the dogs did not relent, and in fact, they kind of amplified their pursuit of Barrow. He liked that. The other thing, it's just football, man. I don't know if I don't know if you can say he's a Jordan Davis yet, which I'm glad you didn't. But he could be that John Atkins guy. He could be that guy. If you guys watch Georgia every week, the more Georgia can play in the box with five or the maximum of six guys in the box and that can handle the run, that's one of the first steps in towards Georgia's championship defenses or just being the baddest team in the land, especially the baddest defense in the land. Burrow told me, Brennan, he has one job. That is to knock the center in the back of the quarterback not the center back until he's basically fallen down on the quarterback's toes. That's what he has to do. And everything else he, with a great championship defense, you can build off that. And Brandon, check the film, three, 365, size 16 feet. His dad played in the NFL. He's about six foot four and some change. They don't make many human beings like that. And that's why Georgia wants
0: Well, and I don't want to try to be an X's and O's expert because clearly I'm not. But, I mean, you go back and watch that Tennessee game from a year ago. Like, one of the things that allowed Georgia to be so successful in that game against Tennessee was, is that Georgia was quite content to play with, like, a lighter box up front, right? They didn't have to have as many bodies up front stopping the run. Now, they didn't have a, a Jordan Davis on last year's team. You know, that, that sort of huge, gigantic space eater wasn't necessarily there, but Georgia still felt like it had enough beef up front that it could stop the run without having to throw like the extra body there at the uh, line of scrimmage, which gave much more opportunity to kind of send Javon Bullard on blitz plays or or defend and make tackles against the Tennessee pass catchers, that all of that was made easier because Georgia didn't have to use manpower to stop the run because it trusted the beef that it had up front. That's why a guy like this is is, is valuable to me. And I'm not trying to make, it out, make him out to be, you know, the next, you know, Bednarik Award winner or something like that. I'm just trying to say that, there's an element of this kind of player that recruiting rankings are always going to have a hard time properly evaluating because, you know, I don't know that stopping the run well, you know, convincing teams not to run against you. I don't know that shows up in stat sheets, but I always want Georgia to be in play for the beefiest nose guard it can find. I just think that's one of the real building blocks of a very good defense.
1: Yeah, a good good follow up to that point is I don't think you need a first round draft pick. At nose guard, D-tackle to do that. There's a lot of guys in the Georgia program now, and I think Barreau could probably be one of those second-team, third-team, SEC type guys, and that's plenty good enough because Georgia's going to have the linebackers in the secondary and everybody else around the box that are going to look like those first-round draft picks. I mean, to me, Brandon, the thing with Barreau, you got to remember, you know, why is a three-star defensive lineman? It's because he weighed almost 400 pounds when most of the initial evaluations came out for him. He was like 390 recently. He's dropped a lot of weight. He's around the 360, 365 range. He's going to be in Athens on Saturday. He wants to see fan support. He wants to feel like home. He wants to feel energy. He wants to feel like he's part of the big crowd. He wants to feel like there's something more to this program than just winning a football game. And I certainly think the dogs will deliver on all those fronts on
0: Saturday. And I'm going to tell you this, and then after this, we'll talk about something different because this kind of dovetails into something else here, Jeff. And, of course, I'm not exactly a a neutral observer on this topic, but Florida's playing a bunch of players who are out of shape. If I'm a recruit and I'm looking at their lines of scrimmage and some of the guys that i want to be as kind here as I possibly can be they don't look quite as good in their uniform as perhaps an SEC player possibly should if I'm a bigger guy and I'm looking at the fact that Florida's tolerating some guys to probably have some weight that's not helping them play the game right now that concerns me because it was Jordan Davis' ability to slim down at Georgia and play in an acceptable weight that kind of turned him into a first-round pick and by the way Jordan had a great night last night that, that it's that ability to take the big man and get him to be at his athletic best by being just a little bit slimmer that I think has been a, a calling card of Georgia's success. And I think that right now, Florida's tolerating some guys on its lines of scrimmage who are just carrying some extra weight here. And if I'm a big guy, I don't want any part of that. I, I really, really don't. People can say, well, B.A., you're not you know exactly uh, unbiased. That's fine. But watch the game against Tennessee on Saturday and look at some of what you see there on that Florida line of scrimmage. Some of that just doesn't look good.
1: So here's a draw your own conclusions portion of dog nation daily today. I asked Makai about Florida. He said, well, felt pressured. He was, he felt a lot of love and they showed him a really lot, a lot of nice cars on his official visit. That was kind of the reason why he chose Florida. I asked him to elaborate on why he might choose the dogs. And he says, George is all about work. He wants that work. He needs that work to become the best player he can be. So if you're comparing the, I guess, shining, sterling moments of each program and their attention and their attraction to Borough. You've got Georgia, hard work, make yourself better, develop. And you got a lot of nice cars, you got a lot of attention, and you really felt wanted and needed by Florida. That's basically how the, 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 the scales tip each way in terms of Georgia versus Florida for him.
0: Let's talk about another guy, interesting timing here, that Aiden Breeland, who's a major defensive line name to know, he drops his top three ahead of coming into Athens on Saturday. What can the game against the Gamecocks do to kind of sway a guy like Breeland, who is a major, major target here at the moment?
1: Brandon, I've felt for a long time, if Georgia gets Breeland back on campus for the South Carolina game, that the chances there go way, way up. So now I think the chances there are way, way
0: up. Well, that's what you like to hear right there. I want to ask you, about, I want to ask you about Chris Cole here in a moment, his commitment from earlier this week. Uh, but prior to that, anybody from a visit standpoint I haven't asked you about that I should, you can broaden it out and just say anything else but the visit Saturday. Obviously, I think I've hit what I think are kind of the three more interesting names. But to kind of stretch it out a little bit more, what else are you kind of looking to see? Five-star
1: deep and Elijah Griffin, uh, Griffin. Um, Brandon. I think that's probably going to be one of your most popular names you will mention when you start focusing and fretting and zeroing in on 2025 guys. It hasn't been said, but there's just a feeling like Georgia and South Carolina are the two preeminent schools in that recruitment right now for the five-star DL out of Savannah. I think that's big. Um, Ethan Barbour is supposed to be in the, in the house as well. Um, he's got a September 22nd date right there coming up for his commitment. Back-to-back trips to Athens certainly sound nice. for the program's chances there, I think those are the kind of the ones that stands out. Zion Grady Brandon, uh, out of Birmingham, a five-star edge out of Charles Henderson Troy. He's starting to spend as much time in Athens as your family is this season, Brandon. So that's got to be a good sign. I think this will be his second trip in three weeks to check out Athens. He loves the development in Athens. He's got two main criteria. Grady told me. One, he w- wants to go to a place where he can be developed for the NFL. He gives Georgia a big check yet check there. And the second place is he, he wants to go to a place that feels like home where he's wanted. He already gives Georgia a big check mark there. So there's some more luminaries besides the obvious ones right there. Not much weight left to lift in the 2024 class, and I think really this is a weekend where Georgia cements itself with a lot of the best 2025.
0: Yeah, I mean I think we're going to have plenty more time to talk about this in the future, but. I think that 2025 is such an important recruiting cycle for Georgia when it comes to in state recruiting. You know, offensive linemen like uh, Juan Gaston, offensive linemen like Cortez Smith, and obviously, as you mentioned, Elijah Griffin, who's the biggest name of all to know, the defensive lineman out of Savannah. Clearly, there's nothing wrong with Georgia recruiting. They're recruiting at an unbelievable clip. They're number one right now, both 2024 and 2025. But I do believe, Jeff, that Georgia has a box to check in terms of really winning with the best in-state prospects of that class of 2025. I don't want to call it pressure. That's the wrong way to say it. But man, it's a real opportunity to kind of clean up in your own state in a way that you really haven't done the last couple of years with some pretty high-profile misses there, high-profile names that look like they're going to get away. Um, I think that 2025 is very important for Georgia when it comes to in-state recruiting. We've got plenty of time to talk about that, but the foundation for that kind of work does continue on Saturday.
1: Yeah, you know, the way I look at it, Brandon, we also must do our due diligence and remind folks that uh, four-star running back Nate Frazier, everybody saw DeAndre Swift last night on Thursday Night Football. I think is the most dynamic back that Georgia has brought in since DeAndre Swift and what he did last night for the Eagles. Um, highest rated back that Georgia has signed since uh, Zamir White and James Cook in the 2018 class. This is his long-awaited official visit, Brandon. I love I bet I know that you love the fact that he set his official visit to Georgia after his commitment yeah. date. We were, that was kind of one of the ultimate tells where he was going to make his decision in, 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 like last month, and yet he had an official visit set for Georgia and kept that official visit set for Georgia, South Carolina for this weekend, which was certainly, certainly didn't look bad trying to figure out where he was going to go. I think Georgia is about two or three months ahead where they normally are for the 2024 class or the current class. And I think they've been – they were six months ahead three months ago without a lot of traction. And I think they're about six months ahead with the 2025 class as well. What they're doing is they're just working harder on these in-state guys. You mentioned Cortez Smith. I think that guy uh, has, has long looked at Georgia as a place where he could thrive and he's played a lot of great football. He gives, gives me like gives me like whispers of Cedric Von Pong Granger already. And I'll tell you this: there was something at Georgia's camp this summer where he put a Georgia target on their back. And this was a player that Georgia really loved. And he put him on their back. And from that moment on, I think Cortez Smith has been a, a priority or a guy I need to know in the 2025 class. So there's a lot of stuff going on with 2025 and most of it with Georgia is really good, um, especially those top top tier guys that they need to close on in the state. Juan Gaston is another guy, six eight, three thirty. His father played basketball at Georgia Tech. If you're looking for a guy that can replace a lot of the things that Amarius Mims is doing for the Dogs right now, that's a good place to look.
0: Let's talk about Chris Cole's commitment going back to Sunday. The thing I like about this most is that you know you kind of weather the storm with him taking a visit to Tennessee over the weekend right before he makes the commitment announcement obviously I think USC it kind of emerged a little bit of a factor here and yet ultimately Georgia's pitch wins out even though they didn't get a chance to bat last on it to me that tells you about the recruiting apparatus that Georgia has going for at the moment but beyond that what do you like about Cole coming into this Georgia class
1: Brandon I absolutely love Cole a lot more than being the seventh-highest-rated guy in the class. This is an athletic skill set that you can say Georgia probably doesn't have yet on the program, at least in the linebacker room. When you consider his length and his ability to play multiple positions, rush the passer, love this part about him. He's only made one D in high school. That was in Spanish. He wants to go into sports medicine after his career is over and be a doctor. And really, Brandon, his recruiting was pretty much wrapped up after his official visit that he took in June. Now, he did his due diligence, but really from the first time he stepped foot in Athens, it felt like home. The way everyone wants the program to, to shine for these all-American-level recruits, that's the way Georgia impressed Chris Cole at every turn. It is another take a bow, take a laugh, Glenn Schumann fist pump moment. The guy is as hot on the recruiting trail with his major targets as Tiger Woods was in his era, his prime era when he was in the, facing the Tiger Slam. Glenn Schumann, if he identifies you and wants you, he usually gets you. This will be Cole's first game day visit. Also, his fellow member of the hashtag VA to GA movement, taking the best players from Virginia yeah. this year and making them dogs. The number one player in Virginia and the number two player in Virginia for this class are going to be in Athens on Saturday, and they're already both committed to Georgia. So, Commonwealth State's not going to like Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann, but oh well.
0: I have uh, kept you long here, so I want to squeeze in one final question. You had a couple great stories here at Dog Nation this week, one of those involving Ethan Barbour, who you mentioned a moment ago. But the guy I want to talk about here in addition to that, uh, the story about NICAR this week. You were down in Moultrie last uh, week, or down well, – I forget if it was Leesburg or Moultrie. Wherever the game was played between Kaka uh, County and uh, Lee County, and uh, NICAR right now putting together an outstanding senior season. And for Georgia fans who want that elite receiver in this class and kind of feel that as kind of an un- I guess conquered territory for this program here at the moment you know it could be a guy like Carr already in the fold is actually growing into that role here right now doing big things for the Packers down there also a pretty interesting story in terms of how he's evolving as a young man too based on getting a chance to spend some time with him last week what do you think George is getting with Carr right now
1: yeah first of all guys go go try and find a way to read that on dog nation talk to your friend Google because that was a unique story um, first of all, big tip of the hat, big shout out to NICAR for being accountable and kind of sharing with me what he's went through. Also the Colquitt County staff, Brandon, I'll be honest, this time a year ago, he was suspended from the team. And he, he, when he looks back on those moments, he said he was being a turd. First of all, very rare to hear a young man call himself acting like a turd and he needed to grow up. He needed to mature. He needed to focus. And he did every bit of that, right? And the first four games of his junior year, he was averaging four catches for 50 yards and no touchdowns. Not quite what a Georgia All-American commitment should look like. I think he was, in some aspects, spoiling or even flushing his future down the toilet. And then what he did is he swallowed the grow-up pill, the maturity pill is what I like to call it. He started going to class. He started getting in his books. He started practicing hard. He started acting like a leader. And since he made those changes in his life, Brandon, he's played the best football of his career. An average night is seven catches, 120 yards, 1.7 touchdowns per game. It is a scintillating senior season. He is killing it. He is the terror of South Georgia right now, the way he's putting up numbers. But I really like, you know, he's known for his evasive ability. I really like the major change of direction he made, where I thought he was probably going to find himself out of the class and now he looks like a guy that might might wind up number 40, number 35, number 45 overall in the country as a prospect. I mean, Nykar has a great future. And in very big shout-out here and appreciation to him for realizing it and not making sure that he didn't lose that.
0: Fun to think about that, Jeff. Really good stuff. Looking forward to seeing you in Athens tomorrow for Georgia and South Carolina. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend there too. And we'll see you back here again next week at the same time. On Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, as well.
1: Yes, sir, Brandon. It's, you got to remember. It's great to be back in Athens for a big game again. Yep. In Sanford, there really is nothing like it. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, can't wait too, Jeff. Good stuff. Thanks a lot. take a look around the rest of the league this is SEC through. so Jeff mentioned something kind of important there a moment ago that last week was a pretty low-key day in terms of overall visitors on that particular Saturday but one of the guys who was there was the 2025 tight end Ethan Barbour and the fact that Barbour is going to be there last week expect to be there this week you certainly like that in terms of a guy making a uh, commitment decision coming up in a few days back-to-back visits to Georgia for game day for a tight end at Alpharetta. That could be a good sign there, kind of building on what we were also talking about, the need to really dominate in-state with your class of 2025. We hope to get a chance to see Georgia do just that. Now, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I'll tell you, Royal Caribbean's got some really interesting new things coming to Perfect Day Cocoa K. Many of you know how much I love that private island in the Bahamas, and it's exclusive for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. It's literally like a private island right in the middle of the sea, and the only way you can get there is on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And they've had the thrill side, the chill side, where you've got like the tallest water slide in North America. And there's this whole wonderful like water park type scene on the one side. On the other side, you've got Oasis Lagoon and these wonderful beach locales and kind of like the relaxing side. Well, they're also adding a brand new adults only section like a uh, to perfect day. Coco Cay that's going to provide kind of an additional sort of beach club type opportunity. I was looking at some video of this. Jeff Santel actually shared some of this with me. It really is going to be uh, an incredible thing. And so it's one of the reasons why I believe that you want to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I think the thing that sets it apart is Perfect Day Coco Cay and that wonderful private island experience. And by the way, this new add on, this new kind of, uh, I guess, build out there at Perfect Day Coco Cay, going to be ready in time for January when Icon of the Seas debuts there as well. So Jessica Slater's a great travel agent. You can give her a call. 770-718-9147 that's 770 you can also email her J slater at dreamvacations.com that's J slater dreamvacations.com and she can tell you more about that now as far as what i want to tell you more about it's not a great slate for saturday we'll certainly acknowledge that but there are a couple of games of note i want to give you a couple of i guess trends a couple of lines as far as where these games are perhaps heading and i'll give you my thought we'll do more of this this afternoon this evening on go with the flow presented by rs andrews on our show a little bit later on this evening but for now tennessee's at florida number here is going to hover around six and a half here this week this is the large brad powers the great gambling expert had this force earlier in the week this is the largest spread in favor of tennessee in any game that's ever been played down there in gainesville they've never been more than a three-point favorite at florida but right now they're around a touchdown favorite here in this spot and keep in mind that for a florida team that's not good but last year in year one under billy napier they were five and zero oh against the spread as an underdog so beating them easily when that's what teams were expected to do Florida at least made that tough on its competition a year ago so keep in mind that also keep in mind this that our perception of both Florida and Tennessee a year ago was a huge imbalance in favor of Tennessee it was a good year broadly speaking for Josh Heupel and the Vols it was a bad year in Billy Napier's first year at Florida but in the game played in Knoxville Tennessee won that game by just five points so I think you probably know where I'm heading with this all of this suggests that right now, I believe that Tennessee is slightly overvalued in this spot. And I do believe the version of Florida that we see is better than when we, the one we all watched on August 31st when it was embarrassing itself against Utah. And you may say, well, BA, how can that be? Keep in mind what Florida did against Utah. A lot of the stuff that plagued them and kind of turned into a horrible defeat. It was correctable errors it's having two number threes in the football field at the same time which i laugh about but it's the example the kind of thing that hopefully after a couple of more weeks of practicing you're not doing dumb stuff like that anymore and frankly a lot of those penalties can be kind of cleaned up i'd be pretty surprised if florida won this game even though Dan Mullen this week has kind of put a little extra pressure on Billy Napier to kind of win a rivalry game at some point in time. This is something that even like going back to the Charlie Pell era, at least some Florida coach in his first year has won some sort of rivalry game against somebody. Last year, Billy Napier kind of got you know the the short end on that so at some point in time he needs to beat somebody don't think he's beating tennessee on saturday but i would be surprised if this game isn't closer than the experts think it's supposed to be lsu goes on the road as a nine and a half point favorite against mississippi state on saturday this was not a good spot for the tigers a year ago they were one and three against the spread on the road against sec competition in uh 2022 however this is also a chance for lsu to show once again much like uh, florida a chance for it to show that it is way better than what we all saw when they were getting beaten up pretty good against Florida State. I- obviously, that was the case. This is a Mississippi State team that last week needed to go to overtime against an Arizona team that it had destroyed You a know, year ago in Tucson, Mississippi State's beating Arizona 39-17. A year later, and we all know what that program's been through uh obviously the loss of life for uh, its coach Mike Leach but on the football field here for a moment so what was a 39-17 win on the road was an overtime win uh for Mississippi State at home last week against him that's just five and seven a year ago that's that's a tough spot here uh I think that Zach Arnett likely to struggle in his first year at Mississippi State um they're trying to change over their offense keep in mind Will Rogers was a record-setting quarterback from Mississippi State. But this is a guy who, in the entire season thus far, has thrown the ball about as much as he would have thrown it in a single game a year ago. So they're in the midst of a really weird offensive transformation. I think that hurts them. And I still think that LSU can be a really good football team. I do. And if there's any hope of that being right then flexing a little bit on the road at Mississippi State seems to be the kind of place something like that would come to fruition. I talked a little bit yesterday about Kansas State at Missouri. Admittedly, this is the kind of game that you know most people don't care about. But in this spot, when Missouri's kind of, you know, uh, sort of a underdog of a small number of points, they've actually performed pretty well, four and one in its last five against the spread as a home underdog of a touchdown or less. So this is a spot where Missouri can be dangerous but they haven't beaten a power five, uh, you know, uh, team, you know, non-conference wise in September of 2019. Kansas State on the other side of this, this is the reigning big 12 champs, for goodness sakes. They're also three and one their last four against the spread against SEC competition. There's a part of me that doesn't understand this line. I frankly don't see why Missouri's only a four and a half point underdog. Yes, I know they're at home. You know, perhaps this isn't the same kind of Kansas State team as it was a year ago. But to me, everything about this just sort of screams Kansas State for the most part. And so it makes me a little nervous that the point spread here doesn't quite reflect what I think we're all seeing with our own eyes. Uh, My pick here is Kansas State. I'm going to take a minus the points on the road but it makes me a little nervous uh, that somehow somebody somewhere seems to know something that I don't. They typically do. Very quickly, here on a couple of other games, Uh, Arkansas is a nine and a half point favorite hosting BYU, playing without its top, top running back, Rocket Sanders. Here's my expectation for Arkansas. I believe Arkansas wins this game. I think it's inside the spread. This will be closer than the experts think. I think what Arkansas is trying to do right now is I believe they're intentionally trying to play slower. Uh, as a way of helping a defense last year that was a horrible, horrible Achilles heel for this program. Sam Pittman needs wins however he can get them. They're going to run K.J. Jefferson a lot in this game. They're going to try to play defense. They're going to limit possessions. This is a lower scoring game than experts think it's going to be, and I believe it's a recipe for Arkansas to win, but perhaps not as spectacularly as the point spread suggests that they might. And then I'll also give you this on the really continuing to be probably biggest story in all of college football that's Deion sanders in colorado they play as a 22 and a half point favorite against colorado state this is actually the first time this rivalry has been played since 2019 strangely enough uh and in the 10 previous matchups prior to that uh colorado's actually nine and one against the spread in its last 10 against its in-state rival colorado state many of you know that jay norvell the colorado state coach has actually kind of called out Deion sanders this week made fun of him for wearing sunglasses and a hoodie during interviews here's the one thing i think we know we know that opposing coaches don't like Deion Sanders. They're not going to admit this publicly, but we know many of them don't like Deion. And it really doesn't have anything to do with sunglasses or anything like that. It's about them devoting their entire life to college football and Dion perhaps stepping onto the scene and maybe making the coaching process right now look a little bit easy. Now, we also have the belief that college football didn't magically get easy overnight, so eventually it gets hard for everybody. And Dion's going to face some adversity at some point in time, but right now through two weeks, he's made it look pretty easy. There's a natural allergy to that on the part of coaches of who's this guy to step in here and think he's gonna make college football look easy so when jay norvell complains about dion sunglasses what he's really complaining is the level of attention dion's getting through two weeks but the thought is well this is going to give colorado extra motivation on saturday perhaps it does the week after that it's dan lanning in oregon remember lanning took a pretty big shot at colorado on uh, on the event of colorado leaving the pac-12 to go to the newly formed big 12 so maybe it's extra motivation for colorado two weeks in a row I think over the course of these next couple of weeks, we're also going to find exactly what Colorado is all about right now. Clearly, this is a far better team than it was a year ago. The transfers, the presence of Shador Sanders, the presence of Travis Hunter are clearly changing all of that and making that the case. But how much better are they? We'll find some of that out. Can they get another easy win against Colorado State? Can they stay competitive with Oregon? Next couple of weeks should tell you something there. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean couple of other things really quickly here for a moment on dog nation daily presented by kroger first of all how about a shout out last night for an amazing performance by the philadelphia eagles running back deandre swift back in his hometown of course 28 carries 175 yards you'd love to see that dog nation on twitter last night what a performance from deandre swift he looked like he was back at georgia when he was playing for the eagles on thursday night and yes he did dog nation you are right about that i love to see it a lot of georgia fans have become eagles fans because of the presence of so many former dogs in that roster But I was also thinking about this, and I was trying to make this point kind of quickly. Think about how long it's been since Swift was playing in Georgia. Four years ago, right? His last season here was 2019. And the best year of DeAndre probably came in 2018 for a team that won the East and really came very close to making the college football playoff. But here's the thing we've all got to be careful for. Like, I think we've all got to start trying to put on our historian hat a little bit when we can, because it's going to become very easy in the future to sort of remember guys on the 2017 team georgia's first sec championship under kirby smart its first trip to the college football playoff the roquans the chubbs the michelles a guy like deandre swift was just a third team running back on that team Now he had the clinching touchdown in the sec championship so he was a part of that story but that wasn't really his team his team was sort of more 2018 and that was a very good team but it didn't quite have the same hardware certainly that george would get the last two years of winning the national championship but is DeAndre Swift one of the best players that's played for Kirby Smart? I think he absolutely is. That 2018 team, his season in 2018 alongside Elijah Holyfield, who was also terrific that year, I think it's something that's really important for us to remember. And this is one of those things that just human nature, it's going to get harder to do some of this. As Georgia has more and more good teams populated by more and more very good players, the sheer volume of the talent that's come through here, some of this is going to become over the course of time. Not quite tomorrow, but to five years from now perhaps some of this is going to become a little bit more difficult to remember so work really hard to make sure you don't forget a guy like DeAndre Swift how good he is now for the Eagles helps us remember how good he was at Georgia and when you think about the great moments you've seen the Kirby Smart era obviously 2017 and 2021 and 2022 those moments are going to dominate uh, a lot of that conversation here right now but let's not forget, you know, the performance that Swift had going on the road against Kentucky in 2018 in a game that clenched the SEC East, other things there as well. This is a very good player who probably didn't have the same kind of end-of-season success that other Georgia players have had. But when you think about the greats to kind of come through here during the smart era, hopefully DeAndre Swift will be prominently mentioned there on all of that also before we kind of wrap up and play our music i got four golden shoes today so let me give you all of those and then we'll get ready to fire up the fight song and close it out for today our buddy mad dog leads us off here in honor of the south carolina game on saturday actually bubby uh dean i have i'm going the wrong order here bubby dean leads us off here because bubby wanted to let us know that he's got his tickets for the dog nation invasion on the tennessee river you love to see that bubby giving you the hashtag go for three and 23 better never rest uh you love all of that and Bubby we're glad you're going to be on board with us for Dog Nation Invasion of the Tennessee River one of those lucky enough to get in before it sold out Bubby that's good news for those of you in the waiting list we'll try to see if we can get you on if we can obviously won't be room for everybody but hopefully some room for a little bit more here at dognation.com bubby that's a great thing to see our next golden shoe goes the way of georgia on tap who says that right now alabama's on the same page as dog nation daily hashtag gator hater Uh, because when you see uh, alabama this week they're playing actually at south florida on saturday and in their training room I guess they had a whole gator in there they're actually eating gator this week Mike Rodak reporting that Bama was serving alligator in its cafeteria tonight before its game at South Florida on Saturday Jalen Key had shared this on Instagram so there you go and that's about how torn up and ripped up the Florida gator is going to be the lousy stinking gator when georgia goes there in october georgia on tap well-earned golden shoe for you we appreciate you sharing that next golden shoe here coming in the way of joshua campbell who says bama fans have had a hard time since last saturday uh, could be a long season for the gumps and uh you see a very sad person there and the uh, caption says bama fans when they ride by a texas roadhouse or a longhorn steakhouse yeah those restaurants right now bama fans won't be eating those anytime soon uh no doubt about that they're uh they're they're, they're pretty disappointed right now about the texas longhorn situation so any restaurant that reminds them of that uh, they're not going to like that either i believe we have one more to give you here this is our buddy mad dog who says i can't wait for Makai muse aka mighty mouse to introduce himself to the gamecocks on saturday beat the gamecocks go dogs sick um uh, good stuff there from uh mike the mad dog we will give him a golden shoe there for that well earned indeed and all kinds of great golden shoes as we wrap things up here on a friday to put us in the right mood we kind of like to give you that friday shoes dump sometimes to go into the weekend to kind of create the right vibe for georgia and its sec opener against south carolina on saturday so here's the scene for us uh kaylee will have you for the pregame show tomorrow that'll be uh some really good stuff and then after the game i will see you in the uga bookstore for our dog nation post game show so keep in mind Uh, you want to share your thoughts about the game come and see us we'll get you on the air as quick as we possibly can you can give us a couple of thoughts on that game georgia fans want to hear from you so be there in person with us at the dog nation uh post game show at the uga bookstore for more on that also our zoom calls are back working again so we'll be able to take those with you uh tomorrow there as well you can join us if you can't be in athens you can join us where you are and we need some good georgia fans weighing in with some strong thoughts on what they see so we will invite you to do just that on saturday dog nation post game show coming to you from the uga bookstore after the game lousy stinking gators they got a tough one on saturday against tennessee even harder 43 days from now against the Georgia bulldogs that is our gatorator countdown y'all have a great weekend enjoy the game saturday we'll see you back here monday dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll look forward to talking to you then